Um, and who's been enjoying the rain? There's been... Okay, I feel like it's a bit of a split. Like, raise your hand if you're like, yes, I'm here for it all day, every day. Yeah, oh, not many. Okay, yeah. And raise your hand if you're like, mm, I could go without it for a bit. Yeah, yeah. I could go a hot minute without seeing another cloud in the sky. I feel like most of us are at that point. But for me, I have been in a little bit of a, uh, a bliss season because the ultimate relaxation to me is the rain a good blanket and a good book. And so every afternoon when work's finished, I'm like, is it still raining? Yes. I get to go home and appreciate it from the comfort and the warmth of my couch, a snuggly blanket and a good book. So I've been living the dream, um, but I've talked to a few people who are like, no, I hate the rain. I want to go outdoors again, which it does maybe say more about my relationship to the outdoors. But I'm like, is there something wrong with you? (laughs) There's an excuse to be snuggled up inside, like watching, I don't know, for me it's about atmosphere, like I want to watch Lord of the Rings when it rains because I feel like it's more cinematic and I don't have surround sound in my house, so it's, it's a whole thing, but it always surprises me when they don't get the same out of it, like I want them to experience the rain like I experience the rain. I want them to be driving down Mount Kynock in the fog and being like, am I in a movie? This is the best day ever. But a lot of people don't seem to share that with me. And, you know, it's frustrating in one take, but it's a funny thing to me. Like, I think a lot of us want others to experience life the way that we do. You know, it might not be the rain, it might be like, movies or music or food or humor or when you find that like new song and you're like this is going to be my anthem this is the best song and I'm going to be the person who introduces everyone to it and so you're, you're like this is the perfect opportunity road trip with the best friend you line it up in the queue and you hear it come on and you're like this is the moment and you're explaining to them you're like this is the best song ever you need to listen stop what you're doing pay attention. And if you're driving, hopefully you're not because you're probably like side eyeing them. Like, are they enjoying this? You're like watching every facial expression. You want them to experience the song and love the song like you do. And at the end when they're like, oh yeah, it's all right. You're just like heart out of chest. Like, why are we even friends? Get out of my car. You can walk the rest of the way. Or maybe it's like comedy. I find a lot of people don't line up with my sense of humor. And I, a few people laugh because they probably know why, but I think I have a little, I have a bit of dry humour, and so when I'm watching a comedy special that I've recommended with someone, and I hear the joke that it, like, killed me, and I was on the floor crying, and I look at them, and they're like, and that's it? I'm like, what is wrong with them? Or sometimes more concerned, I'm like, what's wrong with me? But there are all of these things that I think when we experience them a certain way, we want people to experience the world the way that we do. And it might not be something simple like musical movies or food, Um, it might be more like political preference. I mean, we had an election just yesterday. It might be advice around parenting or relationships, what you should do with your education, your career, your health. There are so many things that we want people to see the way that we see, to experience the way that we experience them. But the thing is is that no one's ever going to experience life the way that you've experienced life. Like, it amazes me to think about, and 
it just, it humbles me a lot to think that there are billions of people in the world right now, billions, and there's not a single one of them that has experienced life the way that I have or the way that you have. Even if they're living in the same generation, the same time period, their culture might be different, their country, their language, their uh, experiences growing up, their family status, their uh, social economic status, their personality, the intricate things that make up a human being are always different. And so there's not a single person that has ever lived or will ever live that will experience life the same way as you. I mean, you even look at siblings. I mean, me and Phil, he's here, there he is. This is my, Phil, stand up so people know who I'm talking about. This is my, yeah, yeah. This is uh, my little brother and he gets mad when I say that because he says the correct term is younger because I'm taller than you, but that's my little brother, Phil. And if you know either of us, bit odd to think, same ingredients. <laughs> same, uh, same origin. We're close in age as well. So same childhood, same parents, and yet could not be more different. I mean, we have some inside jokes and we laugh at some of the same things. I'm going to blame Phil for my weird humor, but we're even siblings living at the same time and space and house. And the way we see the world is completely different. And so it should be no surprise to us that the world we live in is so diverse, made up of billions of people living different lives, seeing the world a different way than we do. And I think that even knowing this, what I find ironic is that we still struggle when people don't see things our way. We just do. And more and more, what I think is concerning and what I'm seeing is that the differences in opinion and a person and their perspective is actually becoming a barrier to the person who exists behind that. Because people are more than just what they experience in their opinions. There's a human being there. There's a soul there. There's a unique life there. And it's not only harmful, I think, for our community as a whole, but if we can't embrace people who see the world differently, we're never, ever going to live the life that Jesus calls us to live. It's not going to be possible. And there's a verse in Matthew chapter 5 that um, I want to share. And Jesus is teaching his disciples at this point. And um, Sermon on the Mount might be something you're familiar with. It might not be. But essentially, Jesus is teaching his disciples. There is a crowd gathered. And one of the things he shares in uh, verse 46 to 47, he says this, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. And if you're here tonight and you would say that you're on a journey of faith, you're on a journey with Jesus, you have some form of relationship with him, then you're called to embrace people. You know, that's not a question you need to ponder on or, or ask. You're called to embrace people. People. You're called to reflect 
Jesus in the world, to share your experience of him, to lead people and guide people in what Jesus has revealed to you. That's what we're called to do. And that means we need to be prepared to embrace and love and welcome all people. We're called to live differently. We're called to live in his principles, the things that Jesus reveals to us so that we are you know, set apart. We live differently to the world. But if all we're doing is loving those who love and welcoming those who are already a part of our world, what Jesus says here is that's what everybody does. Everybody, I mean, come on, everybody loves the person who loves them. Everybody will welcome someone whose family or who they know. That's not living the life that Jesus has called us to. That's just human nature. What Jesus calls us to is to step outside of that and embrace the people who don't love us. Maybe the people that we don't love, the people that we disagree with, the people that we don't care to be near. Like Jesus doesn't call us to be comfortable and embrace those around us. If we want to reflect him truly, we need to be out in our community. We need to be meeting people who don't agree with us, who don't, uh, who aren't a part of our faith community, people who are different in every way, shape or form, because the house of God is supposed to be diverse. He's created it that way. And if you have a problem with diversity, you have a problem with God because he created this planet. Think of it. Every season, every terrain, every animal, every, I mean, flavor. If there's, if you want to know if God likes diversity, think about all the flavors in the world, how everyone, I mean, we can still question his decision on coriander. I do it every day, but diversity is inherent to God. There's so much, like I think of it like this, there's so much to him. They cannot be contained in one way, shape or form. There are so many expressions of God that diversity is just a natural and naturally occurring thing when he has his hand on something. And so we need to be prepared to embrace it. And that's the true test of living like Jesus is living amongst people who aren't the same as you, who are different and still being able to be Jesus for that person. Because uh, diversity is a pillar in the community, but it's bound to create tension. Like it's okay. This isn't about it being an issue that when something's different that you're uncomfortable because that's what happens. When all different types of people get together, there's going to be tension. That's why family get-togethers are so fun because the people that are separated by the grace of God for however much distance come together and it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's family, but it's not quiet and it's not meek. It's usually bold and there are opinions and there is differences, but... What holds them together is their family and they love each other. And the thing is that what holds us together is Jesus. No matter what our difference is, Jesus is calling us all to be family, all to be children of God. And so that means no matter what the difference you come across is, Jesus still loves that person. Jesus still wants to welcome them home. And far be it from me or us to decide whether Jesus wouldn't accept someone because the Bible makes it very clear that he welcomes everyone. And so being able to embrace people like Jesus, it's not about removing diversity. It's not about converting people and their opinions or their beliefs or even, um, 
you know, getting rid of the uncomfortableness of difference. It's actually about letting go of the need for control to have people see the world the way that you see the world. Being able to engage people confident in what you believe but aware that other people are living very different lives to you, and that's okay. And so my message is called Let It Go tonight. I'm not going to sing it because I care about you all so deeply. (laughs) But someone later, you can all sing it. You'll be going to bed and just hearing it in the back of your head. You're welcome. Um, But, you know, I think it's too easy to come up with an excuse for why we don't do the main thing that Jesus has called us to. It's too easy to sit here and explain why you haven't gone out and met that person, why the second you heard their opinion on something you unfriended or unfollowed or avoided, why you don't feel this compelling need to go and reach Jesus for that one person who you're just like, they're not it, someone else can get them, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's too easy to think of reasons and excuses as to why the main thing Jesus called us to is not a priority depending on the person we are speaking to. And that is a dangerous place to find ourselves. It is a dangerous place because that's the day that you decide who is worthy and who is unworthy. And the only person who is able to do that is God. And so this is really important. There are some things we need to let go of so that we can be the reflection of Jesus Christ in this world. And I want to share from from Romans 14, and it is a bit of scripture. I'm not going to apologize because we're at church, um, but we're going to read through it, and I'll touch back on the key points because there, you know, there's a lot to remember. But I'm just going to read through this so we can get a, a good context understanding of the whole conversation, and then we're going to zero in on a few things that I think are really going to help us to be that person, the people the people that Jesus is calling us to be. And so Romans 14, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He's trying to give them all the hot tips on what they need for a healthy church. He's going over um, the basics, the most important things in, in seeing healthy church life. And in Romans 14, it says this, Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Their own master will judge them, whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and will receive his approval." So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to him. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Don't let your eating ruin someone. I told you this was a really long bit of scripture. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of life and living, uh, but living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and build each other up. 
You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it, for you are not following your own convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. You see, letting go is not about not caring or being passive or negligent. It's about surrender to God. It's about trusting God. It's about letting a fundamental shift take place in our minds about the purpose of our words and our actions, being changed for a need to, being transformed, sorry, from a need to change people to a need just to make people aware of the Jesus that loves them and cares for them and calls to them. It's a fundamental shift in the way we see all of our actions. Letting go is having a revelation that being right or changing a person's behaviours or opinions is not what we're called to do. It's not our purpose. We're called to embrace and love and welcome, to share Jesus with them, to journey alongside people in a way that doesn't cause them to struggle with their faith. These are the things that we are called to be and we need to make sure that we actually stop once in a while and ask ourselves if that's who we are. And can I just say, if you're someone who would struggle to think of um, a community outside of your community of faith that you're engaging, it will be very hard for you to live the way Jesus has called you to live. Because what that verse in Matthew earlier showed was that you can do all the right things, But if it's just people who love and accept you already, you're not stepping out and taking on what Jesus has called us to. So even as we're talking, I would encourage you to think of ways that you can step outside of the circles you're in. Be bold, be brave, but be intentional. There are people in this world that need Jesus. And if that's not not reason enough, I'm not sure what is. Let your own experience just light a fire in you that... You can't keep that to yourself. It's not fair. You want others to experience his love and mercy and kindness and and purpose the way that you have. Actually meditate on that and let it become an encouragement to you. Let it become a strength to you. But aside from that, I want to look at three things from that um, section in Romans that we can let go of, that we can surrender to God and we can trust him with. And I just want to say, before I go further, this isn't, like, I just want to be clear that what I'm sharing is not an excuse to do whatever we want because we feel it's right and not listen to wisdom and not take things to God and not actually test what we believe with the principles that Jesus has revealed to us. It is important that we are reading our Bibles, that we're praying, that we're actually considering the wisdom of God when we make decisions. This isn't, a, this isn't an excuse to do whatever you want because the Bible says not to argue with you and Jesus is cool with it because God actually shares things with us so that we can live a more enriched life and a more purposeful life and you would be wise to heed those things. You would be wise to take them upon your life. And so I just felt it needed to be said. This isn't about excusing everyone's behavior, but it is about when you talk to someone else, knowing that it is not your job to change that person. Let God be God and let us 
be people, <laughs> be us. And so the first thing I think we need to let go of um, from that verse is that God is our salvation and not us. It said, who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. You know, I think we need to let go of the idea that while we might play a part in someone meeting Jesus, that God is the only one who brings salvation. It's never going to be something that we did that means that person got saved. We might play a very important part in bringing that person to the revelation, allowing them the opportunity to accept Jesus for themselves. But salvation, that's on God. That's not, and that should be a weight off of your shoulders. It's a weight off of my shoulders. But if we forget that, we're going to become very controlling. We're going to be very concerned about what people believe, about their opinions. We're going to feel the weight of needing to help people be saved. And I just, that's so unhealthy. You're never going to engage people in a healthy way where they will respect what you have to share into their world when your main driver is fear. We don't need to fear. God is the one who saves. Our job is just to reveal what Jesus has done in and through us and trust God to plant the seed, to speak the Holy Spirit, to guide that person to a place where they have a life-changing encounter with Jesus. That's our role. God has his. Let's Let's make sure they stay apart. And that's not to lessen what we do. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. It is our responsibility to be sharing what he does with us. But actually thinking that what you did saved a person is just not a healthy understanding of what God's done for us. And, you know, he's big enough to reconcile the rights and wrongs that we have. God is actually big enough. Like, if you're worried, like, no, I love this person. I want them to be saved. I'm worried that this thing... No, no, no. This is the whole book of Galatians. If they have faith in Jesus Christ, they give their heart to him, they trust him, they invite him into their world, they are saved. That's salvation. God is big enough to reconcile the maybe misconceptions we have and the opinions we had that were wrong and the ideas that weren't quite right. He's big enough to reconcile that. Let's trust him to lead us to revelation, but don't fear that God is limited to you or someone having had just the wrong opinion about something and that was that. God is bigger than that. And so we need to let go of the idea that we are people's salvation God is our salvation, and he always will be. And the second thing is that people are more important than the issue. I just, I think that the world at large has forgotten this, and I can't say that I'm immune to it. I don't think any of us would be where we just can't believe that person because how could you think like that? And this is ridiculous and that's it. I just can't even look at their face or like, it's just like, God, it's actually better for me to remove myself from here. And you know what? Maybe in a moment, it's wise to remove yourself, compose yourself. We don't want to do anything we will regret. But if the intention is never to re-engage, I would question where your heart's coming from. I would question how you see that person as a child of God or whether you're just like I said earlier, you know what, someone else might get them. Not my cup of tea, I tried God. People are more important than the issues 
you're discussing. And that doesn't, letting go of this doesn't mean the issue isn't important. I want to stress that because there are a lot of things that we are passionate about and we believe wholeheartedly and that really affect us when people don't see the way things the way that we see them. Maybe they haven't had an experience you've had and so their opinion or the way they see it is ultimately different. It doesn't mean to let go of that. doesn't mean that what you care about isn't important. It just means that God loves people more than the argument. God loves people more than the issue. That's us reflecting Jesus is going, even though I know this hurts, even though I know how passionately I feel about this, that person, that soul that Jesus wants to meet, that wants them to know that they're a child of his and have purpose, that is so much more important than what I'm feeling right now. And so we need to remember that people are more important because I don't think that one day Jesus is going to have his checkbox ready at the, end of, at the end of time and he's going to be asking, you know, all the truths you forced on people and how many people you got to agree with you. I think he's going to say, why was being right more important than that person that I loved? Why was, why was you changing their opinion so important that you pushed them away from a faith community and a hope and a love? Why could you not see past that, that thing? There's a soul, a human being that was more important. There was something greater at stake than someone being right or wrong. And that's the wisdom is that it's not about right or wrong. It's about what's wise and a human life balances out your opinion any day of the week. And I'm sorry if that's hard to reconcile. I know I've had moments where you just hear people talk and you go, that is so misinformed. That is so, it doesn't matter. We need to get better at keeping God at the center and pushing those thoughts away and being able to see a person for a person because that's what Jesus did. And, And the third thing we need to let go of uh, is that we need to know we need to and we need to know and live by our convictions, but we should not expect other people to share them. You know, do you know what you believe? Have you prayed about it? Talked to God about it? Is it what's in your heart as truth? Great, live it, believe it, be authentic about it, but don't expect someone else to just magically come to the exact same revelation as you. Even if it's true and God revealed it to you and you just want the world to know and that's a beautiful thing, there's a way to share without needing to control people. There's a way to share that doesn't have this underlying motive of conversion because that's not a healthy motive. And it might be confusing because I feel like that language has been misused in the church but having a heart to change someone instead of wanting to reveal and letting them make the choice they're two fundamentally different things god is a god of choice one thing he protects above oh one thing that he intended for us is that we would always have a choice that he would show us in every way how he felt and what was there for us and what we mean to him but that it would always remain with us. And so if God's not willing to manipulate people, why why would we feel the need to do that? Why would we not be able to surrender what God, the creator of the universe was able to surrender that people would have 
free will. We need to know what we believe. We need to pray about it. We need to search. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us to truth. That's so important. We should always be going to God first. But if someone doesn't believe with believe uh, the same thing as you at the end of the day, that's okay. That's not your job. Let the Holy Spirit speak to them. If you've shared with them and if you want to share with someone, engage it from a perspective of wanting to learn, wanting to appreciate their experience, understand what they believe and why. You might just find yourself having your eyes widened and your experience that you've maybe not lived, but your understanding of it broadened. You might find yourself walking through life, being able to accept a whole bunch of extra people because you never knew that that's why that person made that decision. And maybe now you can see that, yeah, that wouldn't have been right for me, but maybe that actually is right for them and where they're at. And if there is an ultimate truth, I'm going to trust that God will lead them or me there. But it allows the conversation to happen where it's about growth and being there and journey and not an outcome. And that's how we're going to be able to embrace people to do what Jesus did, sit with them at meals and listen. Can you imagine? I always laugh about the idea that people were talking to Jesus and explaining stuff to him like he is God. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I'll come to dinner. Tell me about your week. Tell me about your life. Like it's unfathomable to me, but I definitely don't know as much as Jesus. So if he can sit there and thoroughly enjoy just hearing about people's lives and not needing to just push opinion down them, then I can do the same. I can, and if it's hard, I can challenge myself to do the same because if God can humble himself like that, then how much more should we be able to humble ourselves to that place? And so we need to know our convictions. We need to live them authentically, but we need to be okay that people might not share those. And, you know, I think all of this takes faith and humility and it, In a sense of irony, it makes me think of faith because to have faith, it means you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know, uh, you can't control it. And there's a freedom in that choice. But there's also a sense of, um, I've forgotten the word now. What were we talking about? (laughs) Anyways, it takes faith and humility to do all of these things, to trust God, to actually allow Him to lead people the way that He is wanting to, the way that the Holy Spirit was designed to lead people. Our responsibility is sharing Jesus, going for coffee, listening, listening to people, learning more. I would encourage you to talk to as many people as you can. Let your understanding of the way people make decisions and the lives they've led, because you've only led one. You will only have one life experience. So the more you listen and learn, the more open your heart will become to even imagining that there are different ways to live. There are different Uh, things that different people need and your heart is going to be so much more open to doing what Jesus has called you to do. And so I just want to ask, I think, three questions or four questions just to help us maybe more tangibly think about what we can do. And the first thing is, can can I let go of the need for other people to see the world the way that I do? I would encourage you to think about that tonight or tomorrow. Tonight, they say it's always best to start today, but actually think about the things that you hold to dearly. 
and take a moment to ask yourself, can I let go of the need for someone else to see this the same way as I have? If you know you've been arguing with someone or distancing yourself from someone, maybe rethink in this frame of mind, can I let go of the need for them to see it like that? Not to say that it doesn't matter or it's not important, but to see that that person is more important. Is it my priority to engage the diversity of people that exists both in and outside of my faith community? If you're a part of a faith community, it's an amazing place to be, an amazing place to bring people to. This is, I encourage you, if you have friends and family who don't have a relationship with Jesus, bring them here. This is a beautiful place for them to be, but don't think that that is the limit of what God's called you to do. We are primarily supposed to be reaching out to people. God reached to us. Now we take that intentional step and we reach first. We should be engaging any way we can to be a part of community outside of this building, outside of these people, because that's where we're going to be able to share something that changes someone's life. That's where we're going to be not just loving people who love us, but loving people who don't even know us, who have no reason to love us, being welcoming to someone who's not a part of your world. That's what Jesus has called us to do. So think about it. And do I trust that God will guide me and others toward truth? Can you let go of the need to always be the one to tell someone what's right and wrong? Can you actually relinquish control and trust Jesus to reveal to people what they need to hear and when they need to hear it? And are are you confident enough in your faith that where you or another person does fall short, that God's going to make you stand? You know, that's the big question. Do you actually trust God? God's word? Do you trust that he will make you stand at the end of the day? That that person that you're worried about, that person that you just feel this overwhelming sense of need to explain and explain and show them why they're wrong, do you just have that silent faith, that trust in God that he's going to make that person stand? The important thing is them knowing that they're loved, they're welcome, that there is a Jesus who wants to have a relationship with them and you're there to help with that. But everything else going to trust God to be a part of. I'm going to trust him to, to speak what needs to be spoken. Because yeah, letting go, it's not, it's not easy. It's a faith step, but it's absolutely critical in becoming the people that Jesus is calling us to be. And so I think it would be great just to pray tonight before we go. Um, if you wanted to stand here this evening and Yeah, I think if we all just close our eyes and have a moment of quiet, Father God, we just thank you that you are a God with an unfathomable love for humanity, God, that you have nothing but grace and mercy and, and purpose for each and every person. And I pray right now that Um, from what's been shared tonight, you would just reveal in each of our hearts something that we can actually work on, God. Something that we can um, take under consideration, something that we can do to take one step closer to being the reflection of you in the world. That we could actually be a, a representation of your love in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families, no matter where we go, God. And I pray you would give each of us the peace 
to be able to let go of the control, to let go of the need to have people see the world the way that we see it, God. And that as we do, you would show us more of the way you see the world, God, so that we could share that with people. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you're here tonight and and you wouldn't say you were on a journey with faith or Jesus and it is something that interests you, maybe you would love to to know more about a God who has purpose and who embraces diversity and who, you know, wants to meet you, then we would love to have a conversation with you and to be there for you in that. You know, if you have questions or you just want someone to talk to, um, we've got pastors here who would love to meet you, whether you're in the room or online. 